I just saw your missed call. Well, I was only calling because I had a call from uh, Podcast Central saying that somebody was missing. Joe Rogan? No, Michael Copperwhite. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. How are you, buddy? I'm terrific. Let me start this by saying happy anniversary I know, to you huh? and the beautiful Terry. 44 What's years. It been? Four, 14 years, 24 years. How many years you've been married at this? 44. And so would you get married when you were eight? But you know what the secret is to 44 years, right? You should know. Probably, but you're going to tell me. We go out twice. I don't. We go out twice a week. You do? She goes on Tuesday and I go on Thursday. <laughs> so I've not heard that before. Did the, did the, the rim shot? The, well, I, I heard the whole thing. Yeah, because I changed the settings. That's what it was. It was, it was, it was automatically crunching. leaving out the first, leaving out the first two beats. No, it was, it was crunching loud noises. So now it's. So oh, I heard that loud and clear. All three of those. So we don't have to go. <laughs> anymore, we don't. So listen. Yeah, too, too much ceiling up there. Look at that. 9-11, you remember, remember where you were when 9-11 happened? No, I was just going to ask you that. Uh, here we are 20 years ago today. In fact, what time is it? 10 o'clock. So, yes, I was on the Stairmaster at the gym in Shrewsbury, Mass. Wow. Watching the news, and Matt Lauer came on and said, we're about to go to a break, but just before we do, we have a report that a plane flew into the one of the Twin Towers. And I remember thinking you know, some guy in a single engine Cessna, like what's with this idiot? How do you miss a building? Yeah, yeah. That was my first thought. We just, you know, our minds do everything it can not to really, just to put off with something that's so shocking like that. Where were you? So I was at a sales meeting. I was, I was at a sales job. And uh, one of the guys that was new with us was an ex uh, running back for the Cleveland Browns. Wow. And he was always late. So we always wanted to know why he was late. So that day he says, well, I was actually outside in the parking lot listening to the radio. So we all left. So what's the big deal? He goes, a plane just flew into the, the Twin Towers in the, in the World Trade Center. So we thought he was kidding because he's always a reason. He, he was a great guy, but he always had these excuses. Like this so, guy will say anything to get out of being late. Right. He convinced us to go outside to listen to his radio in his car because, you know, we didn't have a radio inside the office there. And sure enough, it was going on. So I said, what the heck? This is so crazy. Like everybody else, we was just one small plane or something. Right. And then were uh, you in Florida? Were you in Florida by then, or were you still in Massachusetts? I was in Florida, but here's the interesting part. Uh, not interesting, but um, what I remember vividly, we actually I went out to the field where I was working, and there was a, a little diner that I used to go when I was working in that area. I'd go into the diner and get a coffee first. And when I walked in, it was like such a weird energy in there, and people were crying, and everybody was looking at this little small TV. So I said, "What's going on?" And then um, they showed that one of the towers, you know, on fire and stuff. Yeah. And then they showed the second plane. I guess it had already hit, but they, it was like just replaying it. So they said the second plane hit it. And people were just crying. And I was like, what is going on? You know, I, I couldn't believe it. Mm. So then I was, I was walking on businesses, you know, selling advertising. And um, after the third door, I realized I shouldn't be doing this because nobody wanted to talk about, with, you know, my advertising right. thing. And then Terry was working. She was a trainer for Christian Dior, and she was mm. doing, a, she's doing a school over in Orlando. 
And uh, because it was our anniversary, they, they got her an executive suite, suite instead of a regular room. And I was supposed right. to spend that night so we could spend the night. You know, roses, rose petals and stuff. And and so um, they canceled the school. And I went, I came home, I called my boss and said, listen, none of us need to be out there knocking on doors today. Trust me. He says, why? I says, I'm telling you. And I told him the story about the diner. He says, this is real. I says, yeah, you need to go look into the news. Oh, he didn't see, he hadn't heard about it yet? Well, he heard the, the little part that we heard in the radio when we, when we, uh, when right. Reynolds, uh told us, but, uh, what a crazy thing. Really crazy. To this, well, to this day, if I'm like, you know, flipping channels and there's some documentary on around that day, I'm just glued. It's still just so captivating. Yeah, this morning I watched a thing on 60 Minutes from Australia. They were doing a thing about the, uh, and they had a guy, one of the, one of the guys was a CEO of some company that was in the tower and stuff, and I watched the whole thing. It was just amazing that, that somebody would be so brutal to do that. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. It was, um, I mean, the country probably still is a little bit in shock, but just shock for days and um, I'm remembering some of the, you know, a few days after, like three or four days after it, then some of the close call stories came out about people who survived and oh, yeah. craziness. I got a friend of mine uh, whose brother was in the train, uh, in one of the towers for a sales training. He flew in and he was a national guy. So I don't know where he lived, but not in New York. He was in for a training and um, lower than where the plane hit. He was able to get out and literally got out down the street rounded a corner and the tower came down and he had like like jet fuel on his clothes and he was fine and survived i ended up driving down there almost two months later november of that year with a good friend of mine ron my concert going buddy and we were going down for a show down in the village and then driving back the same night i think so we got down there early and of course it's november by then so it was dark early it was misty, not raining, but just like misty and foggy. And we kind of walked the entire perimeter. And this is only eight weeks after. It was fencing and there was flowers and stuffed animals and notes and pictures everywhere. Yeah. We walked the whole thing. It was, I don't know what it was. It was very somber and peaceful and um, awe-inspiring, I suppose. Incredible. So talk about your concert buddy. about your new concert buddy, Lynn? Did she like uh, get the lead out? Oh. <laughs> So we saw Get the Letter last, that was just last Saturday? No, two Saturdays ago. And um, I mean, I've seen them seven or eight times, but with COVID, it's been some time. I forgot how good they are. It was just amazing. And Lynn, seeing them for her first time was blown away. I mean, everybody, it's just, it's amazing. And um, we got talking to this couple because we got there a little bit early, you know, there's this couple right next to us and we start talking and hit it right off with these guys actually. And um, Dave and Pam are their names. And um, she had said to us before, hey, the guitar player that you know from last time left the band. I'm like, really? And you know, each of these musicians are a vital part of what's going on. Yeah. So she had said like, during COVID, they're all home. And he realized like, I kind of like being home. I don't want to do this touring thing anymore. So he left. And I would imagine that they went through a bunch of auditions and I imagine the guitar players trying to, you know, so they replaced him with this guy who filled everything perfectly and had his own personality to it. And when the lead singer introduces the band, he kind of makes a joke about, you know, what we look like and what's this guy doing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this new guitar player has one of these like caps 
down over his eyes and he goes and you're probably wondering what's rocky balboa doing in the band and it's a nice humorous moment but it was fun they were amazing and some good friends of mine saw them the night before we saw them at a different venue they were down at indian lake uh in webster on the lake there on friday night and we saw them in new hampshire on saturday and we compared set lists they were completely different set lists oh yeah which is interesting to me that how much of this music this band knows and also how the band keeps it fresh for them you know they're not doing the same 22 songs every night they really change it a lot yeah i seen them twice and i was going to ask you there was a lady that came in and sang one song with him is she there? battle of evermore battle of evermore, battle of evermore. yeah wow huh? so i was talking to my new friend pam about her because i've seen so you've only seen him twice and you saw that because i've seen them eight times and i've only seen that once and they don't do that often. And, um, oh, it was amazing. She came out know, from stage up with this black robe on. And so I was asking Pam about it. And she had told me she must know this band pretty well. Apparently that woman passed away um, from cancer. So, but boy, they pulled that off. It's, and of course they do that set in the middle where they kind of all sit down. It's very acoustic. One guy in a mandolin. And, oh, yeah, yeah. But they played some deep cuts for us in that first set, man. We were hearing stuff like I'm going to crawl and bring it on home. I mean, some deep stuff. Oh, yeah. And the amount of like yeah. the top hits you'd think you'd hear, they didn't play, which was awesome because the deeper the better. And they always finish. They come out for an encore and they did three songs. And it was Misty Mountain Hop and then Stairway to Heaven. And they finished with Whole Lot of Love. Oh. Wow. <coughs> That's awesome. Hold on. What do you have, hot tea? <laughs> Myself some smart coffee over there. My phone's, can you hear that? My phone's in the other room ringing. I plugged it in and I didn't put it on silent thinking I might need to take a phone call, which is silly because we're doing this. Well, you might go but, get it because uh, you might want to go get it. It's probably our new sponsor. Oh, hang on one second. Oh, the Tampa Brady Gronkineers. Four touchdowns? Come on. That's our new sponsor. Did you watch that game? I did not, but... Oh, it was amazing. I picked up my son at the airport last night. He flew in from Colorado, and... I'm still kind of in the baseball season and he's starting the football season. So I said, it must be starting. He goes, it started last night, Tampa Bay. And I'm like, who'd they play? He said, Dallas and who won? And they told me about the four touchdowns. It's it's amazing. Yeah. And then uh, the way he controlled, you know, they were down by one point with less than a minute to go. And the way Tampa was. Yeah. And then the way that uh, Brady or the team controlled the ball so they wouldn't they didn't want to score too too quickly because they didn't want to have you know a chance of coming back, so they went, went down. They brought it down all the way down to a field goal zone. Two seconds left, they the new kicker kicked the field goal. It's pretty amazing, actually. It is amazing. And the and the the Cowboys played an awesome game. So for us to win it was so cool. So you for Colorado. us to win. Huh? When his son came from Colorado, did he come in high? About thirty-two, about, about thirty-eight thousand feet, I think. Yeah, <laughs> way higher, way higher than I'm flying. <laughs> My little single-engine Cessna one seventy-two. I was going to ask you about your Cessna. You, how's that going? 
it's going really well. I'm excited. Um, taking my flight lessons and becoming a pilot. It's interesting. It is um, pretty anxiety ridden. I mean, this has been a dream for 40 years. But so at first I was surprised, like I should be excited about this, not nervous. But there's a lot to overcome in terms of anxiety and literally driving up 190. I'm going I'm out of the Pittsburgh airport. Um, like I'm nervous on the way to this stuff. But every time I do this, it's a little less anxiety. And I'm gaining a little bit more confidence each time around, you know, what I'm doing and what what I do in the relationship to the airplane and what we're doing. This flight instructor who's amazing, uh, who I have full confidence in. So um, my last flight was my last was a week ago Friday because we had Labor Day and then Friday yesterday was for both of us. So um, it was a windy day and we had a very windy land. But um, learning a lot, having fun, and a little less anxiety every time. It's hard to imagine. I was telling this to him. It's hard to imagine I'm going to get to a place of just complete comfort. But I liken it to like driving a car. And I talk about this when I, you know, when I speak publicly, talk about, you know, how many of us thought on the way here today, driving your car, about every part of driving. We just do it by automatic behavior. Yeah, I know, yeah. Embedded memories. And um, eventually I'll be there with this as well. It's just... It's it's an incredible journey. So there's a video on YouTube. I think the title of it is "My Friend Does Not Know I'm a Pilot." This guy told his friend that he was taking lessons, and they go to the plane waiting for the instructor to come out. But this guy was already a, a you know full pilot. But he never told his friend. So he has a camera in the inside the plane, one in the front of it, and one in the back, and he's telling the guy. So 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 while he gets here, let me just show you some of the things we have to do. So he's showing him you know what how to set set stuff up in the the checklist that they have to go through, and then he takes his, his friend's uh, seatbelt and puts it on, and puts his seatbelt on, and says, and then, you know, before we take off, we, when the guy gets here, we have to call the tower, so he starts calling the tower to show him how it's done, and he gets clearance to take off, so he, he starts going down the runway, and his friend's like, you know, what's going on, what's going on, <laughs> and then he takes off, and his friend is like, so scared, but he's trying to be cool about it, it was so amazing, you would love it, if I find that video, I should send it to you, because you would love it. That's a cruel joke, man. Oh yeah, and then when I when I landed and stuff, the, the guy was like, I don't know if he was scared or just, but by then he knew that the guy could fly. Obviously, he told him, "No, I'm a pilot. Oh. I, I already have my pilot license." So he's like, "Wow!" But it's so so funny to watch. <laughs> we actually when I so that Friday morning it was one o'clock less than all morning. It was a blue sky and not a cloud. It's clear as it is, it's gorgeous today. And um, when I get up there, it was pretty overcast, which is not a factor for us. But, you know, my first my first ratings, we have, you know, VFR visual flight rules pilot certificate. So we take off and he and he was flying the plane and he said, let me show you something. And we climbed up over this cloud. It was pretty steep pitches. Like, let me see if I can get over this cloud. And so we got above this low cover of cloud and you could see some land. And he said he just wanted to show it to me like how beautiful this is. And I asked him, because I know this from him, it's illegal for a visual flight rules pilot to fly through a cloud. Oh, yeah. Against the law. Of course, he's instrument rated, so it's a non-issue what we were doing. He said, absolutely it is. I said, so what happens if someone like me as a VFR pilot gets stuck above cloud cover? And he said, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to go up there if that's the case. And um he said, you know, I'm instrument rated, so it's not a factor, but let's get out of this because it's getting even cloudier. And he had this little hole 
of in the clouds. You could see the ground. He just kind of like shot this hole with a pretty steep descent in this turn, and it was amazing. So I got to ask you a question. When there are no clouds, where do they go? I don't know. Huh? Uh, I got a question for you. I got this thing that pops up on my screen. Let me get rid of this. What does Geronimo say when he jumps out of a plane? He didn't jump out of a plane. That's fine. So I said to him, I'm explaining to him, my instructor, um, who just turned 20 years old this week, which is hysterical. Really? Wow. All of his ratings. He's got his jet ratings. He's going commercial for a career. He's got all of it already. So I said to him, I was explaining some of my fears. Like when we, when we decrease our speed, when I push the throttle, um, pull it out to go from, you know, 2,300 RPMs down to 1,500 RPMs, and the whole thing slows down and you can hear everything. I said, I just feel like the plane's going to fall out of the sky. And, I'm, you know, and he's like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> and so we're down and I'm saying goodbye in the office. And he says, maybe I should just take you up there and scare you and to show you what this thing can do. And I go, I think it's funny that you don't think you've done that yet. And I think you have. <laughs> and he says, oh, no, I haven't. So I thought about that all the way home. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that request. But Oh, that's awesome. Maybe it would get me past the jitteries I have. But oh. Crazy, man. It's fun. It's very important to be creating a momentum to these lessons. I was always told for years, make sure you're taking lessons often enough that when you take the next lesson, you're not spending any time relearning what you already learned and forgot because it's been so long. So I was always told three lessons every two weeks is a decent minimum rate. And he goes, I think three lessons a week. So I'm kind of doing two, but if one gets canceled for whatever reason, weather or whatever, then it's going to be suddenly we're down to three every two weeks. So I threw a couple of extra Sundays on the, on the schedule, just trying to compress the time frame. And so next couple of weeks, I can have three a week, Sunday, Monday, and Friday. So, so uh, one of my friends, which is one of the owners of the uh, Silver King Brewery, uh, posted this week that he's at uh, Red Rocks at a concert. Oh, who's playing out there? You know, I forget who it is. That, uh, I was trying to remember who it was, but I can't think of it right now. Oyster Bone? No, no. <laughs> Oyster Bone doesn't play in small places like that. Small little nothing venues like Red Rocks. You wouldn't yeah. want to. That's on my bucket list. I told you that. Play there or to go there? To go there. One time you, you hit two of my bucket list things on one trip. You went to Red Rocks to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. And I wanted to see Tom Petty, which is too late now, but I also want to go to Red Rocks. And we saw that. That was like six months before he died. Great. Yeah. Red Rocks is still there. That's not going anywhere. So you're good. So do you have any idea how many people, um, how many seats they have there? Or? I don't. Um, 10,000, I'm guessing, eight or 10,000. And they're not really seats. They're just big, huge, notched in, like, concrete blocks, you know, that you're, you can sit on, but you've got three or four feet behind yours, and you can walk in front of them so you can lean back. It's, it's comfortable that you're sitting on concrete blocks and there might be you know what there probably is seating way up front but we were on the concrete blocks towards the back there's not a bad seat in the house and you know so the further back you are the more you're looking down at the stage it's and they got the big screens it's amazing the how's the sound with, the, with all the rocks and stuff it was amazing and they have and they have the lighting into the rocks it's like in the middle of these two 300 foot crevices and it's, it's amazing 
and they have them all backlit for it's beautiful. Beautiful spot. So uh, Fick Newton's no longer with the Patriots, huh? <laughs> I heard that too. I don't know. It seems like I, I haven't followed it really closely, but it seems like most of what he was doing there was kind of a disappointment. He never really rallied to what everybody hoped he would do. So I really liked him when he first came out and when he was working stuff. He was awesome, but then I God, think his um, his antics kind of took over his football or something. I don't know. Mm. Always uh, wearing all kinds of crazy, I think it's crazy Eagle. outfits and the hair thing and all that stuff. He was, he was more interested in, in being, uh, look at me, look Hold at me, a football player. Ego. Your ego is not your amigo, Tom. Ooh, I like that. Let me write that down. So now you can hear it. Let's see if we can do it. Ah, close. I was right on. Is there a... See, I think I so, There's still a little delay. Well, I think that is not me. I think... I think if you, uh, instead of living in Worcester, Mass, if you move to Rhode Island, it would cut the delay down a little bit, we'd probably be right, right on time. Work if on I it. lived in, like... If I lived in, like, Lutz. Lutz? How do you know about Lutz? I got a cousin who lives there. I'll be seeing him today. He's up in... in um, we're having a memorial luncheon for my dad. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, that's awesome. This afternoon, and he's my first cousin who's coming in from Lutz for oh, the luncheon. Yeah. It'll be beautiful. Yeah, we got a small, intimate group, family and friends of my dad's, and about 37 or 8 people. And At least you know how to pronounce friend. it. Well, I learned it from him because I used to say to everybody else, Lutz. Even Lutz. It's like it's Lutz. So but if I bet I lived in your area, maybe Oldsmar, we would, I think there's a little bit of a video delay because I promise you, on that audio, I am nailing that perfectly. Well, I know you are. <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> so, uh, we had a diamond one down, down here that was in a town called Snefner. I'm sorry, not Snefner. Snefner is the name of the town. He called, he called it Snefner. Snefner. And then he says they have a, a grocery store here called Publix. <laughs> Publix. Publix, but uh, you're saying, so I go to the grocery store called Publix in Snefner. I said, wow. <laughs> and you said, you're not from here, are you? Oh, you're not from here. <laughs> I'm familiar with Publix. My son um, lived in Florida for some time, and he would rave about Publix and that daily sub they have at the deli side. And... I mean, it's a good store. It's a little bit more expensive than some of the other ones, but it's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, he talked about these pre-made subs, and they were incredible. He lived up in Apopka. Get some funny names down there. A lot of funny names in Florida. Just north of Orlando, Apopka. Yeah. You know the town I live in, Oldsmar. You know where that what that name came from? Tell me. R. E. Olds, which was the guy that started Oldsmobile, founded this town, the city. Really. And so because we're right on the water, we're in the Gulf of, uh, Gulf of uh, Tampa Bay. So they're called Olds because of his name and Mar because Mar means ocean or, or something like that in Spanish. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Olds Mar. Olds Mar, yeah. R.E. Olds is the guy that started, the, that started this. I don't know how somebody called R. it. R.E. Olds. Reminds me of those old names like when you think about like 1950s business meetings. R.E. Olds. E.E. E. Johnson. All those initials. 
So when we came to America, the first car that my father bought was before he had his driver's license. Because my oldest he bought brother, a car before he could drive. Yeah, because uh, my oldest brother already had a driver's license. So he bought a car that was a family car. So my brother was a driver. And he'd have to take everybody to the store, to church, or whatever we needed to do. But when nobody, nobody needed a car, he could use the car for his, you know, to go do whatever he wanted to do. And then uh, when my, my other sister finally got her driver's license, then my brother bought a car, and she became the family driver. And then another sister got a car, so uh, got his license, so she was the family driver, and so on. And then when it was my turn, I was the family driver. But the car was, it was like an old Buick Electra 225, mm -hmm. big boat. And so my father says, you know, maybe we need to get, need to get a new, not newer car because this one's kind of old and stuff. I says, yeah. So we go to Washington Street Motors, which is an automobile store in, in Hudson. We're looking around. He says, so what do you like? I says, I like this one over here. It was a 67 442 convertible. Because remember, this, this is a family car, you know, so we're supposed to take the family to the store or whatever. They needed to go to church, whatever. You know, there was only a two-door in... You know, everybody had to move the seat and climb in the back, whatever. So he bought it for me, or bought it for the family. And that was wow. my car. For, that was my car for like two years. Four four two. Four four two convertible. I was a cat's ass, buddy. I bet. That's when you. That's when you would do that. <laughs> that's what. Would you call that turn with the no seatbelts and the bench seat? And well, on that one I couldn't do it. Uh, oh, bucket seats. Yeah, because he's, but the other the other seats that I had was like a full bench in the front. Yeah, it was a COD turn. COD, come on over, dear. I, I would think you know that that the stuff that we used to do like a vinyl thing to to clean the seats, and it was slippery. Oh. So as you're driving, and you have a girl in the, in the front seat, you put your arm on top of the seat like this, right? And then you do a sharp right hand turn, and she slides over, and I say, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? COD, COD turn. <laughs> you have a good memory, you know that? Well, that was only a few weeks ago when I heard that for the first time. <laughs> wow. Oh. So where are you guys getting together for your father's uh, memorial? There's a really nice uh, restaurant in Worcester called Joey's. Um, it's spectacular. I'm, I'm excited because there's a few people locally who are going who have not been to this restaurant before. and. Yeah. I'm excited to turn them on to it. So, um, and they were so wonderfully communicative. I got a good friend of mine who like, he like lives there and I texted him like, Hey, what are some contact names? And he texted me back. And so I called and I popped in and they were so communicative, so helpful. And the cool thing is we have a private room and there's only 36 of us, 38. So like six tables of six, my dear friend, Peter, who's a pastor, pastor Peter is going to come and do like the officiating the eulogy. I got a bunch of stories to tell and a few other people want to tell some stories. We have a private room from noon to three, um, but the restaurant doesn't even open till four. So it's only opening for us, yeah, cool. which means we got this private room, but it will spill out into the dining room and there's a bar out there. We got an open bar for a couple hours. I see you've already started, but we got an open bar. <laughs> It'll be a nice time. I was thinking I could just get up and start talking. But this, earlier this week, I kind of put pen to paper for the first time. Because there's some certain stories that I don't want to leave out. And then this morning, yesterday, and then this morning again, I had a bunch more. And, and and at this point, I mean, I'm looking forward to this. Give me a nice day. And uh, certainly a celebration. It's sad, but it's hardly tragic. My dad was 95 and a half, you know? Amazing, uh, what a legacy. So Terry is a minister. Yeah. And uh, she does, um, 
you know, instead of funeral, she does a celebration of life things. Mm-hmm. So when somebody passes away, one of her kinds of someone hire her to go over there with celebration of life. And first time I saw one of those was when I lived in Limister. My next door neighbor passed away. So, you know, we're, we're good friends. So, you know, went to the thing thinking it was going to be like a regular funeral. And uh, it was they didn't do that. It was a celebration of life where her friends ah. and family told stories about her. Yeah. And we, they had everybody laughing. It was so cool because they told stories about who she was. And I knew I knew her, but not as well as some of those people. So some of the stories they told were so awesome. I just thought that was better than going to a funeral and everybody's like sad and stuff. And they're just talking about the good things about that person. You know, it's a good story. Kind of, yeah. I, I'm looking at this afternoon like much more like a celebration of life. In fact, in my opening... I have the word celebrate in there. And I also purposely kind of waited. It's been 12 weeks. He died on June 5th. So we've had some of that time behind us to do the grieving and sadness. Not that it's over, but it's, it's, uh, it is a celebration. There'll be a lot of laughter and there'll be some tears and crying too, I'm sure. But um, it's great people who are going to be in the room. I was thinking about, you know, his, his nieces and nephews are there. So one from Lutz. And so, um, you know, uncle and grandfather and dad and neighbor and friend and from Lutz, L-U-T-Z, Lutz, L-U-T-Z, Lutz. Get it right, Sneffner. Sneffner. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, what do you guys have planned for your anniversary? Anything going on special? Forty-four years. That's amazing. You know what's funny is that we don't do much more. You know, since nine eleven, the, the real nine eleven. We just don't do it as much as we still, between us, we celebrate, but we don't go out and, and do a big thing about it. Mm. It's just um, that day is so. Except crazy. for this, except for mentioning on this podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah. And now we got ten or twelve thousand people who now know it's your anniversary, which is good. So now Joe Rogan knows. We probably get a card from him. Yeah. Why not? He can do it. Some sort of buyout offer. How much do you guys need to stop doing this no hissy fit zone thing? So how was your gig on the fourth? Oh my gosh, we had a lot of fun. Um, we had a VIP area set aside that nobody was in. I know you, you sent me that video. That was so cool. <laughs> the weather was so perfect; it was amazing. Yeah. So um, and we had a great time. Uh, people seemed to enjoy the music, and we had probably twenty-five people, you know, come and go yeah. and. Uh, few people hung out afterwards late and it was spectacular it really was a lot of fun so what do you guys do like three sets we did two um it's a funny thing you know they're coming to my house and so i never really thought of myself as the host of this party i'm just side yard gig we're gonna play some music but at the same time i'm like i kind of want to have time to visit with some of these friends and it's weird to be playing music and not be able to talk to people so pretty quickly after three we jumped in and did a first set plus we got food going so we had a grill that was getting lit after the first set and so we did about 45 minutes or 50 minutes and took a break probably 20 minutes and then did an, and then was able to see some people who had arrived during our music and chat with them a few people were leaving and then the second set it was probably 45 minutes or 50 minutes and um some people ate at the first break. Some we I ate after we were done at the second set. It was probably I don't know five thirty by then, and uh, yeah. it was just nice to kind of connect with people and chat. And the weather was spectacular. 
And late summer, it gets like it happened this past week. It just became fall like that. It's chilly overnight and days are a little bit shorter in terms of darkness. And so yeah. there was beautiful. I mean, I thought we're just going to be sweating to death all day, but who cares? Because it's music and fun. Not at all. It was beautiful. There was a breeze, something around my house in that side yard. There's always a breeze coming up this tunnel. And it was spectacular. So when we play uh, Oyster Bone, you know, they, we always do like a mic check. Yeah. So Michael said, the mic check. And so everybody says, test one, two, test one, two. And then, you know, bass player, then John says, test one, two, test one, two. And then the drummer says, test one, two, test one, two. And when it comes to me, I say, test 1,340. Test 1,341. Test 1,343. And people usually laugh a little bit. Then after we finish the first song, you know, people clap and stuff, I always say, okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. After the first song. <laughs> if people don't know, don't know if they think it's funny, if they're like, already? You just played one song, you're going to take a break? I said, we're union. We can't play too long, you know. Without we're... <laughs> I was really looking forward to, there's a lot of, you know, I, I spent, um, boy, it was a busy day. I was up and um, doing all sorts of stuff. And of course I got this apartment I'm trying to get done and, uh, and fixing up the yard and getting that ready. I'm like, well, I might as well get my, my drums out there. So I bring my carpet out and I got this brick patio area. I got my stuff out there. I get my drums out there. I'm just getting them set up and Barry, the bass player pulls in with his truck and, so I was all set up when I went to go like take a shower and get dressed. And, um, but after it's done, it's like, man, there's a lot of breakdown. So all that stuff's got to get back down into the studio. All the food's got to get cleaned up and then people are kind of leaving. I was really looking forward to one of the high, I mean, there's so many highlights, but one of the highlights of the day was I'm walking back up the long sidewalk off the street and the last person's just left. Everything's put away. All the stuff's put away. And, Lynn is walking out of the house with a bottle of wine and two glasses and she's headed for the patio and we just sat there and had a glass of wine the little breeze was happening because at this point it's probably 7 15 or 7 30 so it's getting dark oh, just to be able to sit back and just kind of like you know savor what just happened she keeps proving that she's a keeper keeper she's a keeper <laughs> that's awesome She's meeting a bunch of new people today for the first time, some family and some friends, and it'd be nice. Yeah. Nice. So and thankfully, uh, she thankfully she got to know my dad in very uh, short but profound ways. So you remember how last time we did one, you couldn't hear the sound because you couldn't hear the, mm. the symbol stuff because it was coming out. So in the last podcast, I actually went through it, and when you said something funny that I didn't do a room shot, I actually put them in. Oh, you edited them in. Yeah. So you were funnier than you thought you would. You were. <laughs> good to know. It's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So this time I'm gonna give you a half a second delay if I'm on my side. Huh? So I bet I bet that looks perfect to you, and I was early on the audio. No, we were good. Well, I'm just telling you what my See? I was late, wasn't it? No, you, you were good, but I was late on purpose so that we'd be, we'd be together. Oh, now I'm confused. Oof. I'm actually doing something that doesn't fit with me just to, to make you look good. It's not about you. 
That's not about me. It's about you. <laughs> You've been hearing that your whole life. Tony, it's not about you. <laughs> no, it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Whew. My mom years ago, made, she had this frame, three or eight, you know, picture frames, five feet wide, two feet, two, five by two. And she uh, put this felt background down and just collage of family pictures over the years and years. And gosh, this thing's been around for 25 or 30 years because I've moved it several times for them and I've, I've had it. So this morning on my list of things to do was I was cleaning up the frame and bringing it today to the restaurant just to have it on display. Like I'm easily with this big, huge, and there's so many pictures. My parents' wedding picture from 1960 wow. is in a lot of pictures of my sister and I as kids just and then back further generations. So it's a really neat piece to have, especially something like this, because all these people can look at all these old pictures. So, but I didn't expect to happen. So I'm out there cleaning up and I went to slide it across the back seat of my car and it wouldn't fit. Oh. So I, I literally like, what do I do? I really want to have this here. So I just, I texted some friends of mine earlier and uh, I had been in their car last month, big SUV. And so I said, uh, by any chance, are you driving that big SUV to the luncheon? Would you mind stopping by here to pick up this frame that I just found out doesn't fit in my car? <laughs> so yeah. I just heard a little commotion downstairs. I think he just knocked on the door and took the frame. So yeah. all the little pieces. I got thinking last week, like I have to put together some, I guess people call it a mass card or a prayer card, but some sort of, you know, something tangible that people can have and take away as a remembrance. I thought about it. A week ago, I'm like, I got to put this together quick. And so I contacted a printer this week and God bless them. They put this together fast, but I had a, two pictures on the front of him. One, my dad uh, immigrated here from Ireland in 1949. So in 1954, I have his, I think it was called the alien something receipt card. It's a long name. And then it got shortened to its color, which was green. So they just called it a green card, which, of course, everybody knows that term. So this is his original green card from 1954, this picture. He's so young, I almost didn't recognize him. And so it's a, it's a beautiful keepsake. I'll show it today. But I took a picture of that picture with my cell phone. And it was pretty good. And so I got this card made, four by six postcard, with that picture and then a picture of him a year or two ago smiling with his name and his dates and I had the old famous Irish blessing on the back. And so uh, I just got that done and we put it together and I picked it up yesterday. So all the errands are done. Now we just got to show up and, and uh, have a celebration. So your sister was Betsy, right? Yeah. How old was she when she passed? 47. 47, wow. So that'll be eight years. It's eight. I was just thinking about that, doing the math on this, because she'll be gone eight years uh, this next month, October 17th. That's so, um she would have been 55 this year. Like, oh, do you have any other siblings or no? No. Oh. So, yeah, so she, what's that, what's that fancy term? She predeceased my parents. Like, my parents. She had um, cancer? Yeah, colon cancer. Oh. I'm looking for in a healthy 45-year-old woman at the time, which is why I kind of snuck through. So by the time they found it, it had metastasized to her liver, and it was kind of a, a death sentence at that point but um 
you know, my parents went through something that it's just no one's supposed to go through. It's just it's not part of, you know, yeah. to bury a child. It's I can't even not the way it's supposed to be in the bigger scheme. So. So I had um, I have several friends up in Hudson. that lost children because of that. Um, what were the, the uh, when they shoot up uh, heroin? Yeah. Huh. And I guess some of it was uh, laced with. Um, Fentanyl. Fentanyl, yeah. But, Bad stuff. Uh, at one time, I saw something where they had these uh, parents of, of uh, people in Hudson that lost children to overdose of heroin, and they had a, a, a you know like a support group they got together, and they had 180 families in Hudson that had lost kids to, to heroin. Wow. Oh. I can't even imagine something like that. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's it is. It's staggering. It's kind of become like when you hear a story about some kid who passed away like in their 20s, that's the assumption you make versus cancer or a car accident or something else. Something else, yeah, yeah. You know, funny when I was thinking about this, and I'll mention this this afternoon at the luncheon too, but I was with my friend Craig at his office and uh, Craig and his wife Desiree will be there today and and they were friends of my dad's, you know, and they were friends of mine, but they met my dad through me and they were friends of my dad's and and he says to me one day, how's Bob doing? And usually I have a pretty good ability to kind of go, well, everything's fine and not get into it. But I said, truthfully, he's not doing great. And this was probably May and kind of filled him in on some stuff and his age. And suddenly Craig had this look on his face of like wonderment. And he said to me, Bob's going to die of old age. And I was like, it was such a sobering moment for me. I'm like, wow. And I was remembering back to when I was a kid, like in the seventies. And I would ask my mom like, oh, how did that person die? I remember my, my cousin's grandfather died, Renato. And I wasn't related to him, it was through marriage, but my cousin's grandfather. So I said, how did he die? Old age. And that was a common term back in the seventies, old age. And then it went away and it was replaced by cancer and, and all this stuff. And so I'd forgotten Kind of, I didn't forget the term, but it's kind of dropped out of our vernacular today. And what a blessing. My dad died of old age. I mean, it's amazing. So my mother's 92. She can tell you stories from 30 years ago and doesn't miss a thing. I mean, she tells them perfectly every time and always the same way. But if you ask her what just happened 30 seconds ago, she can't remember. But one time her, her cousin came over to, to her house, you know, with, with my grandmother and stuff, said, hey, uh, my dad uh, woke up woke up dead this morning. And she didn't mean to say it. It just kind of yeah, came just, out. Uh, and... You know, he woke up dead this morning. She was all upset. Said, What's the matter? Said, well, my, my father woke up dead this morning. And you laughed. Oh, no, no, I wasn't there. That was before me. But uh, the first time my mother told me a story, I left. I thought it was funny, but it's not funny. But, you know. The way I mean, she... it is, but it's, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the funniest stuff that we talk about um, wasn't funny at the time, but enough time passes, and then it's hysterical. Right? So, um, your kid's mother, Linda, does she uh, she stay in touch with you guys? You know, when your dad passed away. Oh yeah, I talked to her yesterday. As a matter of fact, she's living in Florida, and um, she was saying, "Hey, you got a big day tomorrow," and she's, you know, we're terrific. It's all good. So yeah. we just talked yesterday, and she's like, you know, please say hello to everybody for me. 
she's actually getting ready to move back to New Hampshire, which is kind of exciting. I should, think I, I should fight, get an envelope with a cassette tape in there, get her address in Florida, knock on the door and say, hey, I got to take this thing for you to listen to. It's a great opportunity. But I won't give it to you unless you're going to listen to it. And then she tried to grab it. I'd say, if you're not going to listen to it, I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> Actually, it'd be nice to see her. She's over in Sanford area, Orlando-ish. Sanford, yeah, yeah, I know that is. You've only got a couple of months. She's leaving in November. So one time, I, one time I saw Extreme in St. Petersburg, Florida. Then I saw him the next day in Tampa, in Ybor City. Then I saw him the next day in Sanford. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Is that the Three Sides tour? No, no, that was a different thing. It was, uh, Three Sides was uh, a USF Sundome. What's the, uh, I don't know. USF is the college here in Tampa. Yeah. A great album. Is that still stuck in your CD player? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how to get it out. I guess one time I did, because what I did is I started hitting the button like the jet several times and all of a sudden it came out. I says, oh, good. I got, I know how to do it now. But no, it went back in and then I can't get it out. So I have to listen to it all the time. It could be a lot worse. I should that. sue them, you know. I should sue the not the. I should sue Toyota or sue Extreme. I think. I think you should. I mean, for See me what happens with that. Me listen to that CD every every day of Extreme is actually Extreme, isn't it? That's Extreme listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. A masterpiece, though. My goodness, if I had to pick an album to be stuck with, that would be in the top ten this of my list. Stuff, yeah. Oh, amazing. I told you when I saw them play that live at the USF Sundome, they had a five, either five or six piece uh, a horn section with them. Well, for that album, they had to. Oh my God. That, yeah, it was so, so cool, man. Wow. And of course, you and I know that they have another album ready to go, ready to come out. I know. Which I'm excited about. It'll be fun. I guess the story for not having it out yet is that, uh, you know, because of COVID, they couldn't tour. Right. So, you know, the idea with the new album is if you have to be on tour, so everybody goes to the show and listens to the songs, then they buy the CDs and stuff and they put them in their car that sticks it in there and doesn't, doesn't bring it out. Maybe they did this on purpose. They put that special little chip in there that it doesn't come that. But The Toyota ah. service department said, hey, uh, my, my friend's coming over with his car for an oil change. Can you make sure that the CD doesn't come out? <laughs> huh? Mm-hmm. I wonder um, what they're going to call this new album. You don't know that, do you? You know the name? I don't know, no. I didn't ask. Because the last ask. one was, they used some Portuguese language in the last one. Saudade, yeah. Saudade, which means what? Well, saudade is like when you're missing something, but there's no, no real translation. It's one of those things where, you know, you haven't gone to... Uh, home for a long time or something, so the Saudade, I, I don't know if there's a, a word for translating it, but it, it means a lot of things, but it's mainly that you're missing something. So, so this, the name of the album is Saudade to Rock, right? Yeah, Saudade So rock. you've been missing rock music, and here this is. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. So the, uh, one of the islands in, in the Azores is called San Miguel, which is uh, the biggest island there. And uh, I guess two years ago, they're supposed to do a, a tour there, or a show, at the thing called Set Cidades, which is like seven cities, but it's not seven cities, it's seven seven holes in the middle of a, of a thing with like, like a mountain, but it has like seven 
seven holes with, with the pool like down there of water. It's a beautiful place. Wow. So they're supposed to play there, but they couldn't because of uh, COVID. So I think it's going to be next year is when they're going to be doing it. We should see if um, the keeper can find us a nice uh, travel package. <laughs> Put her on her um, shoulders. That might be fun. Wow. It'd be cool if they kicked off the tour there and had the new album out. That probably would be better than Red Rocks, to be honest with you. <laughs> Red Rocks is nothing compared to what you just said. What was <laughs> it's Set Sidaj. Set is seven. Sidaj is city. So that's what they call it, Set Sidaj. But so, uh, I mean, if, if you pull that. It's funny because you know what they call my home, my town here, Worcester? They call it Seven Hills. Do they? Yeah. Because oh, there are seven hills here. I can't even name them all. But yeah, seven hills. I thought that was funny that you, when the last time we talked about um, the island I was from. And Santa asked, Maria. Right. You asked me if I knew how many islands were in, uh, in the Azores. I'm, and I said nine. You said, oh, you do know. <laughs> Why wouldn't I know? I did. I was a little surprised by that. You knew there's 14 counties in Massachusetts. I do know that. See? How do you know that? You told me. Because we were talking about uh, how in some some states they they say they don't say what town they're from they say what county they're from. That's a big Jersey thing. Yeah, it's a big Florida's like that. Is it really? Yeah, some people say yeah. Where do you live? I'm in Pasco. Oh, I'm Pasco, in Pinellas Florida. County. Pinellas County. I'm in Pinellas County. Yeah. But sometimes people use that as the place where they live. That's not. Uh, they don't they don't say the city they're from. They don't say I'm from Tampa. Right. I'm from Hillsborough County. What county is uh, what county is Sneffner in? Because I used to shop at that Publix over there. It's Hillsborough County. You, should, you know that. Nice. How about Lutz? Where's Lutz? Lutz is in Hillsborough. Not because I'm gonna see my cousin there. Maybe I'll drop that on him and I'll be impressed. The Lutz is up close to uh, between Hillsborough and Pasco, so it's. Uh, it might be Hillsborough. I think it's in Hillsborough County. Hillsborough County. It could be Pasco, but I think it's Hillsborough. <laughs> You know, if we can solve this, we're, we're done. You know, this is awesome. So one of the things you said for, for today's uh, podcast is you want to make sure we're dead on 11 o'clock. We've got to be done because you got stuff to do. Well, i got to go host this luncheon. Yeah. For Bob. So is, there, is there a takeout on this Sunday or not? What's that? Is there a takeout? We gotta, we gotta, it's going to be a nice meal. we got a nice buffet going on. So you know how I have all these stupid jokes and I have stuff on my phone that are a bunch of jokes of uh, pictures of stuff that's funny? I have no idea what you're talking about, no. Yes, you do. <laughs> so um, I was at this restaurant, right? And uh, I know the people I was with were going to try to pay because they always want to pay, right? So I didn't want them to do that. So um, I actually wrote something on my thing, make sure I get the check. And then I took a picture of that. I did it as if I was sending a message. I took a picture of the thing and I, you know, so then I said to the waitress, hey, I'm having a problem with my dial tone. I hooked up to your Wi-Fi, now my dial tone is stuck. She goes, huh? So I showed her a picture of my dial tone, you know. That was funny. Yeah. I got one more thing to show you. And I went to that thing that says, I want make sure I get the check. And she goes, make sure I get the check? I'm like, no, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to just say, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. If she were... If she were a bank teller and someone was trying to rob the bank, they'd be in trouble because she wouldn't get it. She wouldn't get it. <laughs> Put all the money in a bag. What does this mean? Oh, 
with the money in the bank. Mr. Jones, this guy wants all the money in the bank. What am I supposed to do now? Mr. Jones, he'd say, put the color packs in there. <laughs> wow. Oh. So my bank, I don't like my bank at all. Uh-oh. Well, I wrote a check for $15 and it bounced. One of them says, what kind of bank are you? You guys only have $15 to cover a check? And it costs you thirty-two. Oh. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> 30, thirty-two. You mean like thirty also? Thirty. That's right. No, thirty-two, but thirty also, or whatever. Thirty-two uh, also. Once in a while, you catch me because I've heard them all from you. Once in a while, you catch me. That's funny. What <laughs> bank are you? What kind of a bank are you? Can't even cover a check for fifteen dollars. Come on, man. I'm gonna close my account and go someplace else. Oh, I'm losing it. That was funny. <laughs> Dope. I might have to open with that today at the luncheon. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Always a pleasure, my friend. Happy anniversary to you. Give my best to Terry. I will. Yeah, she's at a she's at a class today. Nice. She's always learning that one. Forty-four. Here's to the next forty-four years together. Ooh. Hold on now. Hold what on. That's a lot of extreme. That's a lot of time for extreme listening. I like that extreme listening. Extreme listening. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go listen to three sides later on today. I should send Nuno a text that uh, I think I sent him a text one time that uh, that this that CD three sides to every story is stuck on my CD and I'm not mad. But now I should tell him, hey, listen, this whole thing is still there, so this is extreme listening. <laughs> he would probably get a kick out of it. Well, one time I, I sent him one thing that's kind of uh, it's really funny, but it could be kind of uh, not for everybody. Yeah. And uh, he liked it, but then he, he says, man, that's really funny. But then he says, you are an effing, effing A-hole. <laughs> or something like that. I said, wow, I didn't deserve that. <laughs> Maybe you did. Maybe I did. <laughs> it depends who you ask. He thought you did. <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have to send it to you so you can see. I can't explain it. That's funny. I said to him, man, man I'm, I'm having a tough time. I don't... <laughs> so I don't think he's, calling right, he's calling right now. He's watching the podcast live. I said, I don't think I'm able to play the guitar anymore for a while. He says, what's up? I says, well, I slammed my door, my uh, thumb on my car door. He said, what? You know, we were just texting. I, said, I knew what you sent them. Well, he says, I said, I'll send you a picture. At first, he, he says, LOL, that's funny. But then he came back and says, you're such a... <laughs> F&A. Yeah. He's concerned for me that I couldn't play because my thumb was slammed in my car door. Yeah, I can appreciate that. And somebody told me that that actually that visual was actually created from when Tom Brady hurt his thumb and he couldn't couldn't play or something. Oh. I don't know, just one of those things. That made its rounds on the internet, that's for sure. Oh yeah. All, All right. right, let's let's wrap it up. I got to get going over to this luncheon and uh, celebrate Bob. Hi man, it was fun. Talk to you soon. See you. Happy anniversary. Thank you. See you later. One, 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 one more time. Well, this time you went early. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to guess the system. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I know you are. I like that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.